I didn't ask, but uh, you're going to get part two to a message I didn't preach part one of. But you, uh, uh, you pray for us tonight. 2 Timothy chapter number four. I want to help you. I love you. Appreciated the message this morning and want to maybe look at it from the other end of the spectrum here. Uh, I'm glad that God's given us a, a charge in this thing, but... Uh, and may I say, I want you to grasp this whole thing is that this part, the charge was to the preacher to preach the word, but may I say the preaching is to be received by God's people. Uh, and it's, it's a two-way thing. It's not just there. There's as much as the charge is to preach the word. There is, and you can see the people play a, a great big part in this, but it's God's people's responsibility to hear the word and receive it by faith. And uh, I, I think at times... When we look at this, and I hope this, I hope I communicate it this way tonight. I, I want to help you uh, get help from preaching. That's what I want to do. I believe that's where this message is tonight. I want you to understand, and I know it's been preached here and things like that, but preachers are weird, okay? We're supposed to be. God's called us that way. But y'all's weird too, so don't, don't act like that. But we, we are, and, and, and it's something God, you know, I'm not just a preacher when I'm behind this pulpit, all my life, that's what I am. I, people get, let me say something. I work for the state of West Virginia, but I'm a full-time pastor. I ain't by, I, they, by, they call me bivocational. Let me say something. When I'm at work, they, I'm not, well, I'm not pastoring right now. No, I'm still a pastor. I'm still a preacher. That's who we are. That's a calling of my, for the rest of my life, for as long as I have breath, I'll be a preacher. That's what God's called me to be. But, but may I say that God has placed us, the church and the men that he's called in this for a purpose to grow the church and the preacher. We're in this thing together. We are in it together. We, I need you and Tom needs you. Great. We need you just as much as you need us. And God's put it that way. And I, I want to help you tonight that maybe through understanding a little bit about preaching and what it is that it may help you to receive it better. And, and, and that's, that's what I believe we'll have us to go tonight. But 2 Timothy chapter number 4, verse number 2. And I know I didn't ask Tom. I know he wouldn't be mad. He'll be the one to stand back there and, 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 and tell me to go on but just as much as anybody else. And I appreciate that liberty and freedom. And, uh, and don't worry, I'm not going to preach that same part that he did today because he did a wonderful job with it in the emphasis but 2nd Timothy chapter number 4 verse number 2 the Bible says this preach the word be instant in season out of season reprove rebuke exhort with all long suffering and doctrine let's pray Lord we come to you I'm standing in a place Lord I tell you I need you touch tonight I pray you'd help me to effectively communicate the word of God and Lord, I pray that you just uh, be gracious to us tonight, Lord. It takes your grace and your power to use us, and I pray you would. And help our hearts to receive your word, Lord. I pray you would just strengthen us in these days. Lord, we need your word. It's the prescription. It's what you've given us for these last days in the time of peril and the time of apostasy, Lord. It's your scripture. Help us, Lord, tonight, we pray, to hear. God, help us to receive it by faith. Help us to obey your spirit tonight, Lord, whatever that may be. Lord, if you speak to our hearts, we thank you and we praise you. If there's one here lost tonight, Lord, never been saved, I pray, God, they believe tonight, Lord, that you died for their sins and on that third day rose again, Lord, I pray. Help tonight, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So I'm just going to preach on Preach the Word Part 2, if that's all right tonight. But Tom preached an excellent message this morning of the charge of God's man to preach the word. And, and the hour that we're in requires this. May I say, uh, the word of God is, is, is necessary. It's the most necessitable thing. That's not a word, but it'll, it'll communicate to you. It's the most necessary thing that there is for the hour. Only the word of God can change somebody's eternity. I mean, there's a lot of emphasis on finances and, and political and all these things and these methods. But let me say something to you. The difference in an eternal destination lies within the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God. And, and I want to look at this same passage tonight from the standpoint of a hearer. And understanding this charge may help you, the listener, uh, the way that we approach preaching. Uh, I, I believe with all my heart, understanding what God is trying to do and wanting to do and working with, I thank God that if God will work with us, he's charged us to do something he'll help us do. And I thank God for that. Listen, I can't do anything without the touch of God. 
I can study and fill my library with commentaries and helps and all these things, and I can do all these things without God's touch. I cannot help you all. It takes the touch of God, but I'm glad God has, will enable us to do the work he's called us to do. But I want you to notice that preaching is not just a work only for the preacher. Now, uh, I'm glad, listen to me, don't ever lose, listen to me, don't ever, ever, ever lower your expectations for the standard of what comes out of this pulpit. Because let me say something to you, if you lower them, you'll find lower. You require, listen, I don't, whoever's the pastor here, don't mad listen to me, you need to make sure that whoever is standing behind this pulpit preaches the undefiled word of God with the power of God on them. And, and don't take anything less than that. Listen, it's important for the church. But preaching is a work for the preacher. He prepares himself. As much as we get a message ready, we pre God's preparing us in some ways. It, it may not make sense to you, but a message is birthed twice in a preacher. We'll get a message, but it comes, it comes in our, and you'll hear Tom say it, others, that, 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 that how it came to him in the study as they was going to it, but then as we go to preach it, it's got to happen again. It's got to come out again. And, and, and God uh, prepares the man. There's the study. There's the prayer. There's the pressure. There's a great pressure. You say, well, why is there a pressure? Well, because, listen to me, we're standing behind a holy place where God is called. There's the pressure to please God. I want you to remember this. Keep this in mind. The charge is to please God is greater than pleasing people. Now, I want to do a good job, and I want to help you. That, I, want, that, I desire to do that in my heart, but I'm not prioritizing you over God and what he expects. And, and in the last days, if you'll look here in this same passage of Scripture, if you'll look at verses 3 and 4, there's a whole group of people that's willing to find somebody else that pleases them. Talk about pressure, but I'm glad we're in a place that loves the Bible. Thank God for that. But can I say, there is a work not only for the preacher, but there's a work of the hearer. You have to work at listening. We have to come into a place ready to receive the Word of God and understanding and preparing ourselves. Can I say, how much preparation are you giving to hear God's Word? Now, this don't happen as much anymore, but, but you know, there's things I can remember times when 9-11 happened. I was in school, but we, we, we didn't, when that happened that morning, we didn't worry about what was in the science book or the social studies book. You know what people did? They dropped everything to ensure they could hear what was happening on that TV on that day. And, and may, I, may I say, that's the same way we ought to be about the Word of God. I know we all got problems. I know we all got situations. But I want to help. Listen, I want to help you here. We got to do all that we can to work to hear God's Word. This is the most important thing. May I say that your answer to your problems, the help in the situation you're in, hey, you may miss it if you don't work at trying to hear what God has for you. But it's a work between both the preacher and the preaching. And, and may I say, preaching is purpose to be received as much as it is to be preached. As much as God calls the man to preach the word of God, it's preached so that someone would hear it and receive it. God doesn't just send it out for no reason. He wants people to receive the message. And I want to look at a few things tonight. Uh, shortly, I hope so, to look at these four things. But uh, look at this first. Look, the method of preaching. You say, well, why preaching? Why do we do this? Why, why don't we just do what we want to do? Why don't we choose all these other things? Well, there's a reason why we still preach in 2023. And it is because that's the way God has chosen. It's God's chosen method. The method that God has chosen to proclaim his word is preaching. Preaching, it means to proclaim or to publish, uh, to herald as a public crier. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 1 21, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. God chose preaching. That's how he gets his message out. Titus 1 and 3, but hath in our time, uh, hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to 
commandment of our God, our Savior. We see that God's Word is manifested through preaching. Notice Romans 10, 14 and 15. He says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Paul's charge to Timothy was stay with the method that God has already chosen. That's important. Method matters. We can get more people in here changing our method, but we can't get them to heaven changing our method. We can fill a church, we can fill this building, but that don't mean we can get them into heaven. Method matters. I don't care how you feel about it. God has proclaimed a method. He calls, listen to me, men to preach. I'm going to say it again because y'all didn't get enough backing on that. He calls men to preach. They may call themselves pastors and preachers, but there is not one God-called woman to preach the Bible. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, go to 2 Timothy 3, go to Titus, because he says, for the man, for the man, a husband of one wife. He's pretty clear. But can I say something to you? We're in a day that, that's, that, that, that people don't want to make that. Let me say, method matters. Method matters. There's already a problem in a place. Don't get mad at me. This may offend some people, but I don't care. I'm preaching truth. There's already a problem in the church if you have a woman that's proclaiming to be a pastor. And let me, that doesn't mean women, hold on. Now, you know what? That don't mean women are any less than men. Listen, man and woman have the same value. They just got different function. Read it through the script. Same value. Christ died for men and women alike. But let me say something to you. When it comes to the church and it comes to the method, it's important. Because we're in days, this is all confused. I mean, it's all, people are confused. But we don't have to be. There's a a proclaimed method in here. And and it's important that we stay with the method. Okay, so God has has chosen preaching. And he calls me. And you say, why? I don't know why he called me. I mean, listen, if it became out of education, that wasn't the reason. I can tell you that. Mark that down. Education's not the reason. Oratory skills is not the reason. I'm, I'm a, ask Tara, I'm great at mispronouncing words. Listen, listen, I'm talking about, I, I, don't, I don't know what all the things is, but here's what I know. I don't know what the qualifications in certain things is what God saw to call, but God called me. And I know that there is certain qualifications. You can find that in there. Gotta be, there is some certain things, but it ain't education level. I've learned this. He can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. Thank God for that. But method matters. I know you guys know some of this, but I think it's important. But I want to get down to this part here. Not only does the method matter, but the message matters. Now, now I want you to, I want you to feel the pressure right here for a second. These two verses, uh, verses 1 and 2, they're in, they're, they're, so to speak, follow after the first 13 verses of chapter number 3, the peril, where there's a form of godliness. People are crazy and getting crazier. There's deception and deceit, and it's getting worse and worse. And then following after, you got a group of people that said they don't like the preacher, and they don't even want preaching. They want teachers. Look in there. They changed the method, and they don't want to hear the Word of God. They want to hear things that make them feel good and make them feel happy. And notice in the middle of this, no wonder the charge comes in. There's a pressure for the preacher to not only preach the Word of God, but to stay with the message. Preach the Word. That's what Tom talked about this morning. And he mentioned this verse this morning, Acts 20, 27. I'm not going to stay here long, but I've got to cover it. For I've not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. I want you to grasp this for a second. The gospel is the foundational message everything stands upon. Hold that down for the church. What, I, what I'm telling you is that, that Christ dying for our sins and was buried and rose again the third day, everything rests on what Jesus did at Calvary. Not, nothing, everything stands, I mean, it is the cornerstone, it is the, the primary thing, everything rests upon that. But I want you to notice this, that's not the only message. 
Y'all didn't get with me on that. Now, you say, well, why does that matter? Hold on a second. We preach the gospel here pretty regularly. And what I mean is, we, we tell you, that we give you the gospel almost every message. It's a, there's a clear presentation of the gospel, I'd say, almost every time we have church. Not every message, though, is presented to salvation. You say, well, why is that? Well, if we preach salvation every single time all year long, we'd have a lot of immature Christians. Because there's more than that. There's a growth there. And we got to go on. And I want you to grasp that Paul was saying that he's not held nothing back. There's nothing more important than the blood of Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary. But we've got to continue to preach all the things. We can't miss anything. You say, well, what part's not important? Listen, if it's in this book, it's important and it ought to be preached. And, and that's the message of the preacher. And that, you know what that's going to entail? It's going to entail this times there's going to be things in here that you don't want to preach, that you don't want to hear. That we don't want to preach. There's things in here that I can't believe I have to preach. Like there's just like there's only two genders. God didn't tell me that when he called me. Year number 11, you're going to be preaching about there's just two genders because the world don't understand. To me, that's foundational. But here we are, preaching it. But I want you to realize every message ought to trail to Calvary. But we find we ought to preach the whole counsel of the Word of God. Our, our, our ministry, a preacher's ministry, ought to be like a wagon wheel. It's got different spokes in it. We've got to be well-rounded. We can't just have a certain... You, 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 I've never been on a wagon wheel, but I've heard this. If you have a spoke missing, it impacts the way the things, the wheels turn and things like that. We've got to be balanced because we've got to see people grow. But there's nothing more important than the gospel. You'll find that as long as I'm here, and I'd say Greg and Tom, as long as we're here, you're going to hear the gospel preached in this place because that is what we're supposed to preach. But you ought to hear the whole counsel of the Word of God. The man of God's not supposed to hold back. And I'm hoping this is communicating to you all. And that's all I'm going to say on the message of the preacher. We see here that he's got a message, preach the word. And we'll find in the days, we're living in these days in verses 3 and 4 that they've turned the word out. They've turned their ears from the truth and turned unto fables. Fables are uh, fictitious stories. They're lies. They want to hear what they want to hear. You go in a lot of places that have crosses and things like that, begin to preach uh, uh, the death, burial, and the resurrection and repentance of sin, and you'll find out you'll not get invited back. Or you'll have a host of people leave. You say, why is that? Because we're in the day of apostasy. They want teachers. It's important that we don't steer away from the message. Listen to me. The message is for all of us. It's for all of us. And by the way, the preaching of the gospel is to, unto us that are saved. It is the power of God. It still helps us to hear the gospel. Amen. But we see the method of preaching and the message of the preacher. And here's what I want to look at. I want to look at the mentality of the preacher. Now, this is where I think it may help you. I want, you got to remember, you're up, we're up here preaching something. It's not easy. Like, I'd rather preach happy. Like, I like happy. But happy's only one-third of my calling. And listen, I, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but I can see your faces. I can see what's on your face when I'm preaching. Sometimes I close my eyes and, or look away or something. But I can see your face. And I know you like happy, right? We're going to talk about it, but I want you to notice there's a mentality that comes into this. I want you to remember we're, not, we're standing here to be a help to you. We're not here to hurt you. I, my, my aim is not to hurt nobody. I want to help you. But if I would change my message to just try to keep you smiling while I'm preaching and not preach you the truth of God's Word, I'm hurting you and not helping you. You may feel better, but that don't mean that you are any better. But notice the mentality of the preacher. He says here, be instant. Now this charge, as I said, is sandwiched between apostasy of chapter 3 and chapter 4 in which people change the method and the message. You can see that. But to be instant means to be unyielding, to stand up to it, to preach with an enthusiasm, a passion, a zeal. You'll find on multiple occasions when Jesus was preaching in the Bible, he cried out while he was preaching. 
I know we see the picture, you know, you know, the pictures, the Sunday school pictures, and I like those where he's sitting around and everybody's smiling and you know he's he's teaching them and holding these things. And, and, and I'm sure at times it was that way. But like in Luke 8, it says this as he's as he's preaching, he said, and other fell on good ground and sprang up, and he bare fruit a hundredfold, and when he had said these things, he cried. He cried. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. What I'm talking about, he was had passion and zeal. Now, he's ten, he's, he is the gentle shepherd, but he wanted people to get the message. And at times, that, 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 that's going to be a passion. We ought to have, listen, if I come up here and I have no enthusiasm about what I'm doing up here, there ought to be concern. Now, I mean, I've preached through hard seasons of life and situations. There's, I, people understand that. But I'm talking about, if, if there's no, I'm talking about there's, there's got to be a zeal, there's an urgency, there's a passion for what we're doing. Now, that doesn't mean it's always up, up, up when we preach. Y'all with me? I want you to get, the, I think it'll help you. But notice that there's a, there's, to be unyielding. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching in, in one of the greatest times ever. At any moment, at any second, and I believe it's going to happen somewhere, I could be preaching and somebody could get born again and we could get out of here. What an amazing thing to be preaching at the end, in the darkest hours, to still have a place. I'm glad for a place that the light still shines. But, 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 but I want you to grasp, we got to stand up to the task. I'm knowing the same time that, listen, uh, there's a lot of people that wouldn't want to hear the message that I have to preach. Now, I know that I, I, we all have different personalities, Different, uh, different abilities and things like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about... There, there's far more better oratory scores, skills and homiletics and all these things that go into it. But I want you to realize something is the preacher standing here in, in the middle of apostasy. There's churches all around us that used to be like you talked about this morning, like us, that ain't like us no more. And we didn't move. Thank God we didn't move, but they did. And things have changed. And why is that? Well, part of it could be the preacher yielded. That's a real thing. I'm glad it's not here, so don't be, I'm not down on you. I'm praising God it's not that way. But we got to stand up to it. We're in an hour of apostasy, but we still got to preach the truth. There's got to be urgency. There's got to be passion. There's got to be zeal. We ought to be instant. He said instant. Then he says in season and out of season. The preacher's got to be ready. Now I want you to think about this, thinking about uh, looking at us coming into this pulpit. Uh, I know you don't see all the things of the, the, the week and see all the preparation and things that goes like that, but we got to be ready. Uh, you never know when, you know, I mean, you're going to get a call on a Saturday and Tom's getting a kidney. Hey, I'm getting a kidney in a couple hours. I'm going to need you to do this wedding and also preach. As I got up off the floor, you know, readiness. But the preacher's to be ready. I kind of think like a firefighter in a station. I'm, I'm not a firefighter. I thank God for our first responders. I don't, they're not always that I understand. They're not always out on the truck, out on a call but they could always have a call come in. There's a couple firefighters in here. See, there one went by right there. Lord's in that thing. And let me say something to you. When your house is on fire, you want the firefighters to be ready for the call, right? I think about a paramedic. God help if you have to have one, but if you do, listen, you, want them, you don't want them to be sitting there eating Fritos on their Facebook when the call comes in. You want them to be ready. Right? I think about a soldier on the battlefield defending our country. Thank God for those that, that stand and, and defend our country that we have the freedoms we have today. I'm telling you what, they want to be in a place of readiness all the time. You never know when something's going to happen. May I, may I say, the preacher must keep himself in a state of readiness. There's a pressure of duty to be ready. I don't take it lightly to come in this place. 
I've got books and all kinds of helps and all these things. And I mean, I could go on. I could, I could have something here. I could bring something to you. But that's not enough. You need to hear from God. You know, I got to stay in a place where I can hear from God to know what I need to preach. To know what, what God knows who's going to be here before, before it happens. I've learned, this, I've learned this in the short time I've been in the ministry. I can't tell you how many times I've had a call for revival. And I would go into the week and I may only know one or two messages. But God, I would know going in weeks in advance on Thursday night I'm going to preach on hell. You say, well, why, how do you know? Why, what, what was that? I walk into that place. I, I could take you to places. Someone ain't been in church in 25 years on a Thursday night was in there. There's a message God had for them. I didn't know who was going to be there. I just knew that was the night I was going to preach that message. I, countless times have I learned and watch. That's why it's, it's to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Because I want, I, want to, I want to say what God would have me to say. We can do these things, but there's got to be a, re- there's a pressure because we love you. I love you. Tom loves you. Greg loves you. I, I, I want to see you spiritually doing all that God would have for you. I want, I want the best for your life. I want, I want to see you obey God. I want to see God use you and God bless you. I want to see those things happen. And I play a little bit of a part and a responsibility that I have of the preaching of what I preach, I want to make sure when I get up in this place, I get nervous. I get very nervous. I, and thank God, God don't treat me like he does Tom all the time. I mean, you know, I mean, make me pass out with a post-it note 10 minutes going on. I like to have it in advance. But I would rather have it five minutes from God than bring anything else up here that I don't believe is his will. We're not here to feel time or feel things. We're here to see God move and God work. And we want that and desire that. And I want you to remember that as a preacher, there's a, there's a pressure of duty to, and notice it, to preach when it's popular or not. There's certain subjects of the Bible that's way easier to preach. Well, I'd rather preach on heaven than preach on hell. But you know what the Bible said? Many are going to hell and few aren't. Few are going, few are going to heaven. I think about, we, we get into, to, we're in the days where if you preach sound doctrine and preach things that, that oftentimes they'll call you pharisaical if you preach how to live, how about holy lifestyle? How about preaching against sin? That's not always popular. It's not always easy. But that's what instant in season and out of season is. To preach when it's legal or not. Now, Thank God it didn't come as far, but it did in a couple states. It was illegal during COVID to gather together to preach the gospel. Thank God we didn't get here. But think about this. I think about this on the way up a road. Think about how many has been saved in another country where it's illegal. China, North Korea, I can think of some of these others. Don't even allow anything of the word of God in. But there's people in there that's illegally by that country is, is doing something they should not be doing, but people's going to heaven because someone stands and preaches the gospel. That's an amazing... And we may get here in this place. Don't take for granted the freedoms and the liberties we have right now. We ought to praise God for them. I know America ain't what she was, and, she, and listen, we're not on the right path, but I want to say this, there's a lot of things we can thank God for about what we're doing here tonight. The preacher's got to preach when he sees fruit or when he sees nothing happening. Now, there's a mental part of preaching that I don't think I could ever explain to you, but there's a desire in the hearts of every man of God to see God work and God move. But we don't always see the work that God's doing. And the moment we'll get out of the pulpit, the devil will let me know just how dumb that message was. All the way back through there. And may I say, your encouragement matters. And I thank God for it. Your honesty about how the message, it helps the preacher. 
Our desire is to effectively communicate the Word of God so that you get it in your heart by faith. Now, we can't do that part. That's the Holy Ghost in you. But we got to effectively communicate the message, and that's what we're trying to do. But we preach in times when we see it and when we don't. I preached in revivals. I didn't see anybody saved. I saw 26 people get born again a couple months ago. It, ain't, it don't happen like that every time. But can I, can I say something to you? You got to keep preaching. We, we got to keep preaching. We got to preach when we feel like it and when we don't. Not always. Listen, he's 70 years old and he outworks me at 36. He's been traveling back and forth, tired. I know he's exhausted. Back and forth, work, cooking at home. He's turned into. Martha Stewart chef back there, send me all in pictures. <laughs> but can I say something to you? Sometimes when we get up here, we're just running on E physically. But we got to preach on. Sometimes we don't feel like, just like you coming in here, and let me say something to you. I'd rather you be here on E than wait till you get filled up to get here. But sometimes we don't. Life happens. But we preach whether we feel like it or whether we don't. That's instant in season, out of season. Preaching in times of encouragement and times of discouragement. We got to be ready. And notice our approach to this preaching. This is at the end, but all long suffering. I want you to know this. The preacher must preach with an exercise of patience to the hearers. This exercise will be in the face of slow obedience or in opposition. We stand behind this holy desk with the pages of God's book. I want you to know we care for you. When you read 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, you went through all those things that Paul went through down there at the bottom, and he says, I'm, I'm just giving you a paraphrase, but he additionally says this, he says, and on top of all those things, he says, and the care of the churches. May I say, your problems are our problems. Your burdens. When, when, you, when you call and there, there, there's a burden or when there's things that we face, things we see you going through in your life, things that we, we stand here from the pulpit and we, we can see that you need, you need encouragement, you need these things. I mean, when, when I know people need encouragement, I, I want to do all that I can to encourage, but I want to stay in the bounds of what the Holy Ghost tells me to do. But that weighs on a preacher. But I want you to know this. The reason that we exercise patience. And may I say if a man loves God and he's God called man, he's going to preach with long suffering. We, we have to. We're preaching to sheep. I want you to remember this. Hebrews 13, 17 says, For they watch for your souls as they must give an account. Now, there's nobody that cares for you like Jesus. That's, that's it. I mean, he nobody cares for you. But I can say this with all my heart. The pastors of this church love you and care about your life. You think it don't matter when you're not here? Yeah, it does. We care about you. Paul's saying you got to preach this way. I'll tell you what, one of the greatest things for the preacher to do is to stay in love with Jesus. There was nobody as long-suffering as Jesus. And he'll help us. But this is the mentality of a preacher. But then look at the meat of the preaching. The Bible is a balanced book. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. That's too positive, too negative. You can read it there. But preaching is primarily two-thirds negative. Reprove and rebuke are words that are not words we like to hear, but that's what we're to preach. Reprove, it means to confute, to expose, to... It's translated to other places in the Bible, convict or convince. And you say, what is it that you do? It is to show people their wrong ways and convince them of the right way, which is God's Word. I, I want you to, to know this. I was thinking about this. I hope it's illustrates to you we're not against you 
when we preach against. Now, there may be times if I preach against a whole host of sins, there may be time you shout it out till I get to yours. Right? Yeah, I mean, if you're not doing that, you say, go up, preacher. It gets real quiet when I get to that one that's got you, right? But can I say, we're not, we're not out to get you. I was thinking about this out on the battlefield. I've never been there, but I've watched some history shows and things like that. But I was thinking about, at times, you're out there on the field wounded, hurting, and you see a man running towards you. And you immediately begin to think, well, he's here to finish me off. And the devil will tell you that. Can I tell you, the devil will tell you all kinds of things about your preacher and about that message. He'll do that. We're in a battle here, spiritual warfare. He'll tell you all kinds of things. But I was thinking about how someone would run to and how they could think before they could really clear, see clearly who it is they could think that it may be the enemy coming to finish them off. But you know what really the preacher is? The preacher's not running to, to get you. He's running like a medic out on the battlefield to help you. We're not here to hurt you. We're here to help you. We, we, what, we've, what we've brought is a sword that cuts but heals, that purges and cleanses. You have a wound, you want it cleansed, the word of God. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. What that means is when there's dirt or defilement in your life and, and it's been preached against, listen to me, it's for the purpose to clean you up. That's what the word of God's given. We're not here to hurt you. We're here to help you. That's what God has sent us to do with the word of God. Now, we can't help you apart from this book. It's got to it's it's be the scriptures. But we got to bring the word of God. But reproving is a part of that. Rebuking. I'm almost done. Rebuking. This is the word rebuke. It means to bring a charge. May I say scriptural preaching will bring confrontation. I won't go through all the list of things people said to me over the years. Just like you preached this morning about that King James Bible. I say praise God for that. I've had multiple statements made. For, just one's made to me. I don't know what else was made about me. But it's going to bring a confrontation. And may I say something to you? I want you all to think about this for a second and, and keep this in your mind. The confrontation's not with you and me. You and Tom or you and Greg or you and whoever. It's with you and the Word of God. And the confrontation, may I say, the Holy Spirit always convicts with the purpose of change. It's a, it's, it's a right purpose God has in it. And on the basis of God's Word, it will require the, pre, the preacher to tell people they're wrong. I believe it's Proverbs, I don't know the verse, but it says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. We don't always tell you what you want to hear but we should always tell you the truth. The truth does hurt sometimes. You say, why does it hurt? Well, it's, it's because the Word of God reads us. You know, this, is the, this book's alive. Go to Hebrews 4 and 12 if you'll read that verse. It's the only book that ever reads you while you read it. We are to preach with fear of God and not with fear of man. Now, you may not like me. You may not like what I have to say. And you, there's all kinds of... That, that happens. But if I'm pre, I want to preach, whether or worried about whether I'm going to upset or offend you, I want to worry whether I'm going to upset or offend God. My goal is never to offend anybody. But can I say something? If you preach the Word of God, you're going to offend somebody because they're going to find themselves on the opposite side of the line. Jesus was a rock of offense. You know why people don't go to heaven? They're offended. Calvary, for all the love that you see there, Calvary is an ultimate hatred of God, God's hatred of sin. His holiness is there. Preachers who rebuke will require a call to repentance. You know that repentance is not a one-time thing. We do that as more than just once when you get converted. 
a change of mind that results in a change of life. Rebuking is an act of love. You may not feel that way. But I'll, I'll give you scripture. Revelation 3.19, Jesus said, uh, any man, I'm going to go here, I typed it wrong. 3.19 says this, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. It's a love. And I'm hoping this is communicating to you all. We have to call it like it is. That's not always easy. We have to preach plain and forthright about things. And it's going to cause you to respond. Here's the difference between teaching and preaching. Preaching should always bring you to a decision. What are you going to do with the truth you just that you just received and just heard? That's what preaching does. It brings you to a decision. We got to preach plain and forthright. We got to preach against sin. We got to preach when it's not easy, but it's necessary. I don't. I don't enjoy that. May I say it? I, I would speak for Tom, and I think I'm right in here. He doesn't enjoy preaching against sin. He doesn't enjoy the confrontation that, that comes. But it's part of the duty that God's called us to. And may I say, as a hearer, we need to remember that. It may keep you from being mad at your preacher when there isn't a need to be when he's trying to help you. Last part of preaching is exhortation. This is what I call Judy the happy preaching. This is that one, y'all. Everybody likes exhortation. You say, why is it? Well, it's to console. It's to call near. It, it encompasses comforting and encouraging. But may I say, sound preaching is a mixture of all three elements. We're just trying to do our job and understand that God wants to help us. And lastly, it's with all doctrine. There's a meat to preaching. The emphasis of preaching is on doctrine. Sound doctrine, it means healthy doctrine. Paul wrote three epistles under the inspiration of God and he emphasized the importance of right doctrine. I know it, it won't stop. In any church that's going to be this way, any church that's staying right and going to do right, you're going to have to preach against false doctrine regularly. Regularly. It's not an enjoyment. I don't enjoy it. I wish we didn't have to deal with those kind of things. I think at times, looking at a preacher, you may think, well, he just enjoys it. Well, there's certain things we enjoy. I'm sure, I mean, Tom, I know, enjoys prophecy. You can tell that over the years. I mean, he, he loves prophecy, he lo and it's wonderful. And there's times there's things that we enjoy, but I can tell you there, there isn't any preacher that likes to go around, I believe, and just uh, beat all over false doctrine. That's not the thing that we choose out, but it's necessary. And that's what he's, remember right here, doctrine matters. Doctrine is everything. You change a few doctrines, we're no different than the Muslims. Yeah. What makes a difference? Right doctrine. Christ died for our sins. What's the difference in us and, 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 and the Mormons? Well, the Mormons believe that Jesus was a created being. Hold on, friend. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. All things were created by Him. He couldn't be a created thing. He created everything. What's the difference? Doctrine. Doctrine matters. Above everything that encompasses the preacher, the most important thing is to get his doctrine right. Doctrine is the difference between people going to hell or going to heaven. Doctrine. These three books, Timothy, Titus, and, and, and 2 Timothy, they are written to preachers, and so to speak, primarily to preachers, and that most of the focus is on doctrine. It matters. Doctrine's not always exciting. Now, I, I, there's times where, listen, it ain't always up when we preach, in a sense, and I know that. It ain't, you ain't always going to shout her out over certain things. I grasp that. I know that. But doctrine will grow you. 
And doctrine will help defend you against the things that you face in this day. Doctrine makes the difference. And a preacher, 2 Timothy tells us, 2 Timothy 2 and 15, that study to show thyself approved, a, a workman. I'll just go there and read it. I didn't type it out. Rightly dividing the word of truth. You know what that means? It means that the preacher is supposed to draw a line in right places. There's a lot of people that have messed up because they've drew lines in the wrong places. I'm so right on right here. Acts 2 and 38, the church of Christ believes you have to be baptized to be saved. You say, well, how do I know that's wrong? Well, go to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's no water there. Water is not required for salvation. Water follows salvation. It is a, a way of identifying that we, the death, burial, and the resurrection, that we identify with him. That's what baptism is. It's not a requirement of salvation because if it was, then that man on the cross would have not made it into paradise. He didn't get baptized. He died on the cross beside Jesus. You know, he got in by faith in the Son of God. I don't like preaching and getting all that stuff. But I have to. Because the avenues for you to grab... I mean, now listen to me. I, I want to always be open. If you have a... Say, is this somebody I should listen to or whatever? I want to be my best to help you in those things. I thank God that you're willing to ask that question. But there's a lot of false doctrine out there. And the day we're living in, the avenues of technology make false doctrine spread more. But doctrine, we are divide, listen to me, we are to draw lines in the right places. That ought to be the first thing a church ever asks a preacher is what is your doctrine? There's some qualifications. He's got to be blameless. I was going to go down through the list, all these different things it talked about. But I'm going to say you ought to be concerned about what he's preaching about. Because if his doctrine is wrong, I don't care what his character's like. I don't care how blameless that he may live. If his doctrine's wrong, it says with doctrine. Our goal is to help you. We're to draw lines in the right places to help you see the lines in the right places so that we can all live godly and God would get glory. This thing's about Jesus. It ain't about us. It ain't about the preacher. It ain't about the congregation. It's about Christ that died on Calvary. It's about the only begotten Son of God. It's about doctrine. Just like Tom had to say this morning, who in the world would have thought that we'd had to say that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God? I mean, that's to me, that, I mean, I knew that before I said elementary, the only begotten Son of God. But we're living in days where people are taking things. We're living in apostate days. All of it, listen to me, all false doctrine, you know what it does? It glorifies self. That's the primary motivation. All of these works-based salvation, and they're not salvation, but all these work-based religions, you know what it is? They're taking away from what Jesus did at Calvary to put some of that work on themselves. All of these other things, all of it, you, it don't matter what kind of Buddhism, all those kind of things, all of them have to do with something aimed at self. The apostasy in the last days, notice the people changed because they weren't pleased with it. It became about self. Listen to me. It ain't about us. It ain't about me and it ain't about you. It's about Christ. It's about Jesus. It's about the glory of God. It's not about Roxalana Gospel Tabernacle. It's about Jesus and his glory. That's why we do what we do here. And the preacher that gets in the pulpit, listen to me. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. It ain't about me. It ain't about the ministry God's put me in. It's not about that. It's about him. But we're living in days where people's made it about them. In some places, only place you'll find Jesus is out on the porch. You read your Bibles, you'll find me true right there. Yeah. I want you to grasp this tonight. I hope this is communicated in that way. We're standing in a place God's called us to with a charge to please him above everything. But an ultimate desire of our heart is to see you grow 
is to see you grow in your relationship with the Lord, to see you grow in serving the Lord, to see you grow together, unified on sound doctrine. That's how you, listen, there is no unity apart from right doctrine, by the way, either. But as we stand here in this place, it's not always easy on the preacher, I'll just be real honest. And I know it's not, listen to me, I've listened to myself as a practice a few times. Tom told me it was a good thing to do. I'm still trying to figure out if he's right, but and I thank God that y'all's as gracious as you are after listening to myself. Even doing the sermon audio, I cut myself off at that where I know where to find myself at, so I don't have to hear it sometimes. But we're in this thing together. And we love you. You can come on, Judy. I'm done. I'm wrapping this thing up. We want to help you. We got a responsibility to God to preach His Word. And I believe with all my heart, if you all as a congregation will remember the duty of the preacher, the things that we... I I mean, it is is what it is, but also the responsibility to hear. We'll grow more if we work together in this. Y'all's gracious to us. Be long-suffering to us. Be long-suffering to me. I'll speak for myself. I don't always get it out the way I want to, as clear as I want to, the way I think I, I, I need to. I struggle with that a lot of times. I mean, I'm, I'm under the juniper tree every Monday morning, Tom. Just like Elijah, ready to give up. I feel that way at times. I feel the weight of this thing, Tom. I mean, I stand before people. You realize that there could, there could be people that come in this place... This may be the last time they ever hear a message from God go out into eternity. And I'm standing here to deliver a message. I want to I make sure I got the right message preached in the right manner with the power of God. on. There's a duty there. There's a pressure there. But as a church, there's a great work in listening to hear what God would have to say. I understand the mental battle. The mental struggle. Listen, I could I could spend weeks telling y'all the thoughts that come through my mind while you're sitting here and somebody's preaching. Y'all have them. Most of the time they're silly. Like where are we gonna eat at? God, God's trying to help us in our lives. I, I, this is the re, this is a real we're in a battle. You read the you read in Matthew 13 them parables, that that, that devil come take that word away. He's trying to make sure you don't get it. God has a word for us. But I believe if we look at this calling, it'll help to realize we're trying to help you. And we appreciate your prayers. Let me say what a great difference it makes when God's people pray for their preacher. I'm telling you, it makes a huge world of a difference on, for us and on us. But we're to preach your word. Let's bow our heads tonight.